Hi everyone, I'm Scott Wingeter, host of Impolite Company. I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again for another video. Uh, we're gonna do a quick update on Ukraine. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of my background, I'm a 12-year Air Force intelligence analyst uh, veteran. Uh, I did five years uh, teaching uh, social studies in the public school. Uh, I'm a history teacher, I have a master's degree in history, so all this stuff is very much in my wheelhouse and I love talking about it, so I appreciate you listening. If you getting any value out of this, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button down there, we'd really appreciate it. Um, so right away, let's go ahead and do a, an update. I've waited quite a, f quite a few days here to do an update because I really wanted to see what was going on and not just jump into uh, an analysis without a whole bunch of data, you know. Um, so what has emerged since my last video, which was the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, it was quite a magnificent timing, uh, is a new kind of warfare has emerged. Uh, we have private companies that are specifically punishing Russia, and not just Russia as a country, but affecting the Russian people and their, their economy as well. So we have private companies like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, uh, shutting down people's ability to use their credit cards and transactions in Russia uh, to put economic pressure on uh, Vladimir Putin to stop this war in Ukraine. We have um, even you know streaming services like Netflix and Apple taking down uh, people in Russia's ability to access their servers and watch, uh, you know, streaming videos and everything like that uh, to try to, I guess, bore them into uh, surrender. Uh, and then my personal favorite, and what I think is probably the most effective, is Disney took uh, off of Disney Plus the film Anastasia, which we all know is nothing but Russian propaganda, right? Now. Disney failed. Um, but we also had Google Maps did uh, something that was really significant. Uh, when Russia was invading Ukraine, they had their um, traffic data up on Google Maps and it was updating live and you could actually trace where all the troop movements and everything were going because obviously that would you know prohibit traffic uh, from flowing. So Google stopped that so that uh, there was the fog of war presence once again um, on the map. Um, Elon Musk, uh, our fellow Texan here, uh, with his Starlink, he decided he was just going to start beaming down internet uh, to these war-torn areas of Ukraine that didn't have access to the in internet because their infrastructure had been da so damaged that you couldn't get anything out. Um, and that allowed a lot of these sort of open sources, everybody filming things with their uh, iPhones and uh, getting that out on the internet. The downside to Elon Musk doing that, which I think was really, really a great thing to do, uh, but hindsight, it was a bad thing to do because you could target those signals and find out, you know, who through radio direction finding, who was on the internet trying to send the stuff out. And that could then uh, result in Russian troops attacking that person simply by, uh, you know, uploading a video uh, to YouTube or, or uh, out on the internet on Twitter or Facebook or however it was they were trying to get that message out. So they inadvertently made themselves a target. And, you know, to his credit, Elon Musk said, hey, if you have to use Starlink, do it quickly and then move um, so they can't target you. Um, I have another question. Uh, speaking of Facebook and the internet and Twitter and all those, is, is where did all the fact checker, checkers go? You know, uh, 
we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of everything shutting down. About two years ago here in America, if I wanted to hop on Twitter and suggest that you know coronavirus came from anything other than a pangolin falling into some soup, uh, fact checkers were right on it, man. Uh, same with the 2020 election, fact checkers were all in force. There seems to be this strange occurrence happening where everybody in the media is siding with Ukraine and against Russia. And I wanna make it perfectly clear here, it's not that I'm a pro-Putin guy, I hate the guy, uh, but it gives me pause as a critical thinking, intellectually honest person, if I see everybody in the media all of a sudden getting along and going down the same path, I'm like, hmm, that doesn't normally happen. Maybe I shouldn't believe everything that I've seen on the internet about this sort of stuff. And we've seen a lot of things that Ukraine is doing a masterful job with the uh, psychological warfare that they're doing, with getting their message out. They are definitely winning the propaganda war. Um, you know, you'll see President Zelensky running around in body armor, you know, like he's George Washington crossing the Delaware. And it's like, well, when was that photo taken? Um, you know, what's the context of that photo? Or my favorite was Miss Ukraine enlisted and she's all in her military gear and everything like that. Well, actually she was holding in the airsoft rifle and that was years and years ago. And so that sort of stuff's getting out there and there aren't any fact checkers fact checking this stuff, which I think the big story there is it just shows that these, you know, independent fact checkers are actually biased. And in this case, they're biased to Ukraine, which, Ostensibly, no one seems to mind, but it's worthy of pointing out. Um, we have a return of conventional warfare, which I wasn't expecting anytime soon. My entire military career, I was in the Air Force for 12 years. We were not dealing with conventional warfare. We were dealing with asymmetrical warfare. Uh, we were dealing with guerrilla warfare and an insurgency that we were fighting. And now you have two nations, you know, the Ukrainian army versus the Russian army hammering out with actual military gear, um, something similar to what you would see in World War II. Um, and so that's, that's an interesting development. Again, uh, the Russians are then, again, also using their typical brutal tactics. Warfare is warfare, after all. They are targeting civilians. They are t hitting apartment buildings and nursing homes. I've seen them hit children's hospitals uh, the other night. For some inextricable reason, uh, they were shelling a, uh, the largest nuclear power facility in the entire continent of Europe uh, without any you know, concern whether or not that was going to create some sort of radiation leak. It's crazy what these guys are doing. Uh, everybody thinks so. Um, so here's the point. None of this was necessary. None of this had to happen. This is, uh, I, I would say, a huge failing on the Biden administration. Um, for months and months and months now, Russia has been you know, sending troops to the border of Belarus and, and uh, Russia all along the Ukrainian border. Uh, we know this um, from our own intelligence, our own national intelligence have, have told the president this and he admitted that back in January uh, when he gave a really weak warning to Putin like, now don't cross that line. And of course they ignored him. Uh, but something else that's kind of new, it's this new kind of warfare is something called OSINT, open source intelligence. 
See, you don't need to be, you know, some spook in the National Security Agency anymore in order to get this intelligence. Um, normal, ordinary, average citizens on the ground are taking this stuff and they're uploading it to Twitter. They're uploading it to Facebook. They're showing it on their YouTube channel. Uh, they're using apps like Google Earth and Google Maps in order to take satellite images and distribute these photos out into the uh, World Wide Web for everybody to see, and it's really fascinating. The Russians have been planning this for about a year, okay? Since March of last year, they've been putting troops right along the border. This was no surprise. This is why I was able to film my previous video on Ukraine uh, and tell you that he's invading Ukraine, even though it was before they actually invaded Ukraine, because I knew following Ossent that that's what he was doing. It was obvious. So the result of that was all of this intelligence, all of this was pointing to that fact and Biden sat on his hands and did nothing. Um, we've imported 256.6 million barrels of Russian oil into the United States of America since President Biden took office back in January of 2021. Uh, now I recognize that yesterday uh, the president said, all right, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to import any new Russian oil. But, you know, too little too late. We've been financing this whole military buildup along the border of Ukraine and financing the invasion of Ukraine by buying all this oil. Uh, Biden's response, oh, well, we're going to release 60 million barrels of oil uh, from our strategic reserves, which is just idiotic. I mean, at least he's clever enough to know that the price of oil is going to go up as a result of this. But to release 60 million barrels of oil from our strategic reserves is not going to have a positive impact on what you pay for gas at the pump. It's going to have the opposite effect. It's actually going to raise gasoline prices and make this whole thing worse. Uh, so I have no idea what he's doing. I don't know that he does. Um, as it stands right now, our national average for a gallon of gasoline as of uh, filming this today is $4.25. This is uh, up eight cents from just yesterday. So the president comes out and says, all right, we're not gonna import any more barrels of oil from Russia. And we're going to release 60 million barrels of oil from our strategic reserves. And literally, literally, as he was saying this, you could see the crude oil prices going up, ticking up in real time. And that's why we have it up, uh, what, eight, you know, eight cents from yesterday. It, it's ridiculous. And the whole idea is we're going to try to cripple the Russian economy. Um, we're going to prevent Russian banks from using uh, SWIFT, which is the monetary system that almost every Western country uses in order to have bank trans, uh, transactions go through. Well, that was another stupid idea, too, because in our efforts to just jump into this and punish Russia for their naughtiness, all we did was push them to, uh, you know, the Chinese bank version of SWIFT. So now we have Russia and China allying themselves economically, which is not good for America. Uh, I believe it was Henry Kissinger uh, who back in the 1970s said that if we can be best, better friends to Russia and better friends to China than they are to each other, then America will win. Uh, and we, of course, are abandoning that type of thinking now. Um, 
in his State of the Union address and his speech yesterday about uh, the Russian oil, the President of the United States uh, and the Department of Justice uh, are putting together this task force klepto capture. Uh, and so we're going to go after the Russian oligarchs for all of their ill-gotten gains. And we're just going to take their, you know, million, a hundred million dollar yachts away from them. Uh, okay, well, the problem with this is this, maybe these oligarchs don't have anything to do with Putin. Are they the commander in chief of the Russian army? Are they the ones that are invading Ukraine? You know, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. And it seems to be, in my view, a violation of your private property rights. I mean, however you got your millions of dollars, those are still your private property rights. And just because one country invades another doesn't mean, I don't think we should empower the federal government to come in and start being able to take somebody's private property away. I think that's a very dangerous precedence to set in a free society. Uh, so I'm against that as well. Um, all of this, all of this is making enemies of the Russian people. Not Putin, not the army, not the generals, but the average Joe Schmo walking the streets of Moscow. He's going to be deeply affected by all of this. And we're just making an enemy out of these people. And that's a stupid thing to do, in my opinion, as well. Like I said, I was a classroom teacher, right? If I had one kid acting up, all right, I punish that one kid. I get that one kid out of the classroom. I don't do like, you know, prison rules on the entire classroom because now what I've done is I've taken one kid that was a problem, I've elevated him to a hero status, and I've made enemies out of my entire class, and now I'm not going to be able to control that classroom at all, all right? It works the same way on the national stage, okay? If we start just hammering, you can't use your Visa card, you can't use your MasterCard, you can't watch Netflix, we're going to hit you economically, we're going to make you starve to death. It's not going to go well. Uh, the Russian people are not going to like that. And they don't have any more control over this situation than you or I do. They have a dictator as president who cheats in every single election. They're not electing them. They're stuck with the situation that they have. Making them our enemy is a dumb idea. Um, the president said yesterday that Putin may be able to take a city but he will never be able to hold the country. Speaking of his, uh, you know, Putin's invasion of Ukraine. I don't think that's Putin's objective. Putin uh, put about 200,000 troops on the border with Ukraine. That's not enough to take a country and hold it. Um, so what is his objective then? I think his objective is to either capture or kill President Zelensky and to replace him with a puppet that is pro-Russian. We have a very short-term memory here in America, but if you go back to 2014 when Vice President Biden was the guy, he was the lead on Ukraine, right? Um, we, I know this is gonna sound shocking, uh, and fact checkers, be sure to check, check me on this, but the United States of government under the Obama administration, when uh, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, we interfered in the Ukrainian presidential election. And we ousted, help oust uh, a president that was pro-Russia. He fled to Russia. And that's when all of this trouble started. And then, you know, a year later, you have Hunter Biden getting this sweetheart deal with, uh, you know, 
the Ukrainian gas company, Burisma. Uh, I think he was making something like $83,000 a month off of this deal, and he has no experience in oil and gas. Uh, that's a problem. And then Biden went ahead and, you know, bragged about how he got the, the uh, district attorney that was looking into um, Hunter Biden's company fired by holding back a billion dollars worth of economic aid, which ironically is, quote, what President Trump was impeached for. So there's just, he's up to his eyeballs in corruption here. Uh, and it's good for us to remember that. And that, I think, gives us more of a direction on where Putin may be heading with his objective in invading Ukraine. Uh, he wants to get rid of Zelensky, who's a Western pro-U.S. president, and replace him with somebody that's going to go along with his whole, you know, Russian, pro-Russian, um, reestablishing the Soviet Union uh, geopolitical game that he's playing here. Um, what's really dangerous about this, and this is what no one's really considering, and this is what I really hope is the big takeaway with this uh, message here, is that we're making all of these decisions on the fly without really thinking about the long-term implications or maybe the short-term implications. Um, you know, by all of these companies playing uh, this game uh, and shutting down the Russian economy, especially the, the credit card companies and, you know, the economic sanctions, all right? You've got a, you've got a rabid animal in a corner all right, they're gonna fight back. And especially if you corner them, they're gonna fight even harder. And this is the danger. So this is a quote out of Pravda, uh, which uh, in Russian means truth. And it's literally the state-run newspaper from the old Soviet Union. Um, it says, boxed into a corner, surrounded by Western armies and blocked with sanctions, the little red buttons may seem the only viable alternative to a humiliating defeat. So they're, you know, beating their chest and basically saying, look, we got nuclear weapons, bro. Come at me. We might want to think about our actions before we make them. I'm not suggesting that we don't do anything. What I'm merely suggesting is that before we start making these uh, decisions, these policies and putting them into place willy-nilly, Maybe we should have a debate about it as a country, uh, and especially with the Congress and the president together. That's all I'm suggesting. So that's my Ukraine update for today, March 9th, 2022. And I thank you for joining us here on Impolite Company. Have a great day.